Welcome to Digibarn Radio, fascinating stories from the history of computing. I'm Tommy Cuellar. And now to our special feature, Apple at 30, 1976, Apple in the Garage, a special event produced and hosted by Digibarn curator Bruce Damer. This event was recorded live in three parts at the Vintage Computer Festival, which was held at the Computer History Museum in Mountain View, California, on November 4, 2006. The first part is Bruce's introduction to the event. The second part is the panel discussion, which includes Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak, joined by early employees Daniel Kotke, Randy Wigginton, and Chris Espinoza. Also in attendance were other early pioneers of the personal computer industry, including John Draper, a.k.a. Captain Crunch, Key Macintosh team member Andy Hertzfeld, and many others. And now for part one of three, Bruce Damer's introduction to the Apple at 30 special event. And welcome. We're now at Apple at 30. And uh, just going to give you a really brief slideshow to kind of put you back into those days, if it's possible. And then the panelists are going to take you really back in the time machine. And when I think about the events that we've done the last few years from the Alto event, on up to the homebrew event and whatnot, what emerges is this kind of soup, this kind of milieu of what was going on in the mid-70s. And I was a nerd kid in the mid-70s. I actually went to Sunnyvale. On the, I'm from Canada, you can't tell. You might have thought I was a Minnesota, but no. I'm from the Great Pink North. Uh, the, um, so we came down. I was in in the spring of 75, staying in, in, uh, in Cupertino, actually in Sunnyvale, but I didn't know anything that this was going on around me. But I kind of picked up on the, the vibe that was in the Bay Area in the mid-70s. I said to myself when I was a 13-year-old kid, you know, not much older than a couple of you guys there, that I wanted to come back and live here. And that's how I ended up coming back and li living here. And so um, I kind of had a sense for that. But of course, any of us who were in school or whatnot in that period, we started, even if you were in the hinterlands like me, you got the personal computers eventually. Eventually, came and trickled down to you. But um, we're just gonna, I'm just going to give you an idea of this soup. And I think of it as a kind of a baking exercise. So we'll go to the next slide. So you want to cook up an industry? It's easy. Just follow this convenient recipe. First, extraordinary the ingredient, the ingredients. You have good ingredients, ingredients. And uh, well, what do we have in the initial? Oh, lights. Chris, are you there? Can you shut the lights down? Oh, there we go. There we go. Ah, beautiful. Easier to see. So, ingredients. What do you need to cook up an incredible gourmet dish to create an industry? Well, you need extraordinary people. Too many people to uh, to list that were involved in this industry, of course, but. Some of the people we have here today uh, were some of those extraordinary people. Uh, you need inspiring places. Well, uh, Homestead High in the lower left. That's Homestead High in 1974. Without all the fancy media centers that it has now, but maybe it had the big swimming pool. And extraordinary places. Hewlett Packard, there's HP 35. Extraordinary machine, extraordinary people, extraordinary place. Atari. We all know what an impact that had. It was kind of in a way bridge from a big company like HP into the, into the world of, of, of people using computers. And uh, there's another extraordinary place. That's the garage in Los Altos. That's the Jobs Family Garage. It's 
extraordinary place. And they've had deeply felt nerd loop passions. There's a, a, a little screenshot of Lee Felsenstein last year waving his yardstick at the uh, homebrew club. Uh, and you had down there, this is an excerpt from Rich Denae's uh, Finite State Fantasies. It's the cartoon about a kid who's building his homebrew kit. So late at night, uh, with this, everyone shut out of the room. Anyway, so that's, that's uh, ingredients. Next slide. You need recipes. Well, uh, one of the great early recipes was build a TV typewriter by Don Lancaster. I know Waz will be able to explain about this, and I think Daniel will be able to comment a little bit about, gee, what happens when you combine the TV typewriter recipe with the Altair recipe, what comes out of that? So these are excerpts from Homebrew Computer Club newsletters that we collected last year, and you can see uh, this is the uh, first note is I think from the second newsletter or third, and Waz is building a TV typewriter of his own design. In, uh, that was a comment from uh, Waz at that meeting. Randy Wigginson is uh, trying to get an Altair 8800 to play games. Well, if that happened. Um, anyway, so recipes, you got to have them. And, and they were floating around. Next slide. Kitchens, where we talked about the garages, there are very few pictures I could find of sort of inside garages, but I found. Uh, this is from a Fortune magazine article. There's Steve Jobs standing in front of the garage, and that's sometime in the 80s. And then this is supposedly a picture inside the garage in 76. Uh, I don't really know what that, that shows. It's sort of stuff stuck on the wall. Um, this is purportedly a picture of uh, Waz's workbench in 76, and maybe you can verify if that's a, a reconstruction or is it the real thing. Uh, anyway, that's that, there we have it. Uh, next picture. And of course, you have to have chefs. You're going to make a, a fine dish. And here's various collection of pictures of our chefs then and now. And I think the one that, that's sort of most endearing, I think, is the number 26 there with, Waz, uh, with the actual blue box. And it's colored blue, in fact. It must, be, it must have been the blue box. And uh, if you see the one in the lower center, that's, uh, that's at the West Coast Computer Fair. Uh, there's a whole series of pictures taken by Tom Manneke, who, who sent them to me. Uh, anyway, and then up in the upper right there, there's Steve Jobs this year uh, doing a commemoration of the 30th event at Macworld in the spring. So, and I think that this one on the upper left is uh, Steve Jobs looking at a food box. It's always purported to be that on, I think that is from Waz.org. Anyway, uh, just a great collection of then and now of the chefs. So next slide. And cooking it up. Very few of these around. It took me a long time to find on the net an actual Apple One schematic. But there it is. Uh, it's from an article many years ago. And there's some of Waz's notes there. I think it's a 6502 floating point at South Mall and Div. Uh, little handwritten notes there from uh, March 676. So maybe that was something for the homebrew club. I don't, don't know particular of it, just your own notes. Oh, the whole manual is, oh, the manual right there, so we can actually, actually figure it out. Oh, these are the 6502 routines that was handed out at home. For doing floating, but here we are, okay, so. Sorry, I forgot my white gloves. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
We are in the museum. <laughs> so here, here's the whole schematic, the whole scoop. Wonderful. Thank, thank you, Isaac. Uh, next slide. And hot out of the oven. Apple One. This is a photo from Salam uh, from about four or five years ago. And you said there was a bent pin on it. You could tell if it was the tape from you. I think we called it out. And I'm always curious as to why this is Apple, uh, Apple Computer One, Palo Alto, California. Did Palo Alto have much to do with it? I'm not sure. It's sort of the neighboring community? Mailing address. Mailing address. Oh. Answering service was there. Answering service was there. Okay. There we go. Solved. Uh, next slide. And then the gorgeous one everybody knows, the Smithsonian one. And I know I read somewhere how that someone's dad made this case lovingly. Uh, nope. Okay. We'll hear about that on the panel. That, that's a good question for panel. Where's this gorgeous case come from? Uh, next slide. And here's uh, out of the oven. Here's Apple One running. And I believe it's just you're doing a dump of the addresses, right? You're getting a dump of the memory. And then uh, is that a program that's running to output the whole character set? I think. Yep. Yes, it is. Okay. So he's just reading the reading the hex there and coming up. Reverse compiling on the fly. Impressive. Okay, uh, next slide. And this, as I spoke about earlier, the uh, first, uh, the serving of the Apple, the first public show, and there's Daniel Kotke and Steve Jobs in Atlantic City, New Jersey, on August 28, 1976. And you can just sort of see a little computer in the right on that, that's um, a little placard there, and perhaps that's a marking literature or text specs behind them. Uh, but that's a great, great photo there. And of course, I'm wearing a t-shirt there. And the, uh, uh, the great Apple computer logo, which I'm sure the panelists explain where that comes from. So it's such a beautiful piece of art. And next slide. And uh, what's interesting about this, although the, the projector's munging this a little bit, is when you look at this first literature, this first sort of spec sheet or ad for the Apple One, it really looks like an Apple ad of today. It's got that Times Roman font on the top and very clear explanations. And you know, it's just, it just—it seems like it's, a, it's Apple. Apple's had that consistency all these 30 years. And price of $666.66. And I'm sure the guys will explain that is this indeed the mark of the beast? <laughs> Which I don't think it was. I think it was just repeating repeating numbers were easier. Anyway, uh, next slide. So our, we've kind of blown our schedule here, but we're basically going to let the panelists sit up. We're gonna, when we finish this, turn, on the, turn off the projector, let the panelists sit up here and just start to talk. And after a certain amount of time, what seems to make sense, we'll open it up for a story period. If anyone has a story, keep it under two minutes to blurt out. I know Crunch has a story, uh, which will probably be under two minutes. Uh, but he will work that out and for all to, uh, to enjoy. And we'll do some kind of mapping or random access. So if anybody else could stand up, this is Lee Feldenstein Homebrew Club turn, and say anything that you want to connect with other people, say around the Apple history. And we're really looking for people who have pictures and video, and well, not maybe a little bit less video, but anything that we can scan in for artifacts for our pages to offer the world under our Creative Commons license. Uh, about Apple's early history. There isn't a whole lot on the web. 
and there needs to be more. There's some excellent books about it, but there needs to be more artifacts. And if you have total albums of slides or whatever, or pictures of things in Apple in 76, 77, or anything, I, you know, there's a bunch of us that want to scan those in. If you're okay with them being offered for non-commercial use, uh, off of the debarred pages. This is why I do these events to gather more cyber archives. We're going to do the lovely cake cutting. People will mill about, and general confusion will prevail. Um, Al and Dell and Daniel will be sequestering some people for interviews. And at 9 p.m., Boaz will finally finish talking to people and signing their IWAS books now. <laughs> Which would happen last. Now, I think Waz is still a little under the weather, so he may be uh, leaving before 9 p.m. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll let him be the best judge of that. So next slide. So there's the cake cutting from last year, and it's up here, and you'll, you'll all get your sugar highs from this. That was the homebrew cake. This year we have uh, Apple 30, this logo on the cake. Uh, great cake, thank you, Safeway. And it might be the last slide, but keep going. Uh, thanks, too. And um, all these people here, all these magazines that we took pictures and covers from, uh, people who helped the speakers, etc., and also the Jeff Raskin, who many of you knew. This is uh, one of the last pictures that I took of Jeff, and one of the last things that he did to benefit me is to show him the Apple one that Steve Wozniak gave him. And uh, it's sitting right up here. Thank you, Linda. Next, next one. Oh, uh, don't forget the shameless plug. Uh, Digibar and Computer Museum were up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Nerd buys farm eight years ago. Nerd walking around farm notices there's a 5,000 square foot barn there they didn't notice before. What does nerd do with farm? <laughs> Wife loves pigs. So pigs go, pot belly pigs go in outside horse stalls. Nerd walking around on the inside of barn says, I could store all the computer junk in here. Hence the beginning of, I happen to have a Felton Carrot Comptometer from 1920-1922, which will look really good sitting right there, beginning of Digibar. Nerd goes over to Xerox Park for last demo of Xerox Star and says, this can't be the last demo of a Xerox Star. Nerd finds all old Xerox hardware to assemble and get working to continue the Xerox story and then discovers you've got to tell everything else, too. So there's now about 400, 450 systems there, crazy for computers down to little itty bitty things, and uh, it's all a community-based project. It's uh, it's mostly they sort of work if you're lucky kind of thing, but you can boot up the artifacts. The whole DigiBarnas management is a story capture mechanism. The main focus I have is getting your stories onto the site for perpetuity. Because when the people are gone, the artifacts will still be well preserved somewhere, and people won't be there to tell the stories. So that's what I'm mainly focused on. And uh, so anyway, visit digibar.com. Three o'clock tomorrow, down in the lobby, I'll hand out maps, and we'll lead the group over to the museum. If you want to stay after about six o'clock, uh, we'll go out and have a, a brew at the brewery, the Boulder Creek Brewery, a very fine brewery. And uh, I think that's. And uh, now we're we're segueing into the real reason we're here. And our panelists and my wife Galen hit me, uh, hit me upside the head last year. I said, You didn't introduce anybody. How does anybody know who these people are? I said, They don't know who they are. I said, You have to read bios. So I promised her, I will read bios. I won't read uh, my bio or Salam's bio, but what we, the, the wonderful people we have here today, the, the 
short files are Steve Wozniak. Well, he's the loss. But I, I, I should really tell you a little bit more about him. Steve Wozniak is a Silicon Valley icon and philanthropist for the past three decades. Steve, founder and chairman of, uh, in, for the past three decades, Steve Wozniak is currently founder and chairman and CEO of Wheels of Zeus. And he helped shape the computing industry to design Apple's first line of products, Apple One and Two, and influenced the popular Macintosh. For his achievements at Apple Computers, Steve was awarded the National Medal of Technology by the President of the U.S. in 1985. The highest honor bestowed on America's leading innovators. Making significant investments of both his time and resources in education, Wozniak adopted the Los Gatos School District, providing students and teachers with hands-on hands -on teaching and donations of state-of-the-art technology. That's a very, great, generous thing to do for next generation. Daniel Conti, personal friend of mine, and uh, instrumental in getting this together today. Daniel, and I wrote this, so this is sort of an unofficial file. He was, and told me he was hired by Woz and Jobs to help assemble Apple One boards or test them, I guess I was correct for those who purchased the assembled versions and joined the effort in the garage on June 30, 1976. Uh, I guess this was when the bike store had put in that huge order, or was it after? Just after. Uh, Daniel went on to a great career at Apple, which included working on the Apple II and III, and being a member of the legendary Macintosh team, buying his signature in Boston the early insides of the early Macintosh cases. Randy Weddington. Randy was one of Apple's first employees, creator of MacWrite, Full Impact, and other numerous Mac applications. Wigginton was a student at Homestead High in Cupertino, California, interested in computers, just as the earliest microprocessor-based computers were being assembled by hobbyists. He had heard about the Homebrew Computer Club, but no way to get there until he started getting rides with another club member, Steve Wozniak. The two hit it off. By the way, thank you, Wikipedia, for these. Two hit it off, and Wigginson became one of Apple's earliest employees in 1976, was, was, was present with Woz when the Apple One was first presented to the world of a homebrew company. Wigginson collaborated with Wozniak on the circuit design and ROM software for the Apple II in 1977. As Woz wired up the colored graphic circuitry, Wigginson wrote machine language graphic subroutines. Chris Espinoza, another high school student, wrote demo programs in basic. Wigginton wrote several early programs for the Apple II, including the checkbook balancing program, co-authored with Apple's vice president of marketing, Mike Markle. Is Mike Markle here? Did, did Mike come? Chris Espinoza, Chris Espinoza, who's just been mentioned, was one of Apple's first employees. He joined the company at the age of 15 in 1976. He wrote his bike down there. Uh, when it was still housed in Steve's parents' garage, writing software manuals and coding after school. Espinosa entered the University of California, Berkeley, where his freshman advisor was Andy Herzog. See all the connections? And Andy's sitting right up here, too. Thank you for coming, Andy. 1981, Espinosa became a member of the Apple Macintosh team. He has worked on many projects at Apple since, including macOS, AUX, HyperCard, Calvin, Collider Labs, AppleScript, and macOS 10. He's now a development engineering manager of the Xcode team. So he's now starting his fourth decade at Apple. Impressive. So with that, I think plenty of introductions, plenty of background. What we'll have is we'll shut off the projector so people don't get blown into light space. 
and we'll move some chairs up front. And basically, the front is pretty open. Some questions have come up during the the uh, introduction. Maybe you guys can answer, like, how did that, that, who created that wonderful logo for Apple, and who carved that case that's in the Smithsonian? And uh, then we can just sort of take it from there. It's really a, it's your panel, it's your history. And after maybe about 45 minutes or so, we'll we'll just we'll open it up for. Um, for the story, the co-story telling. So I'd ask everyone, they can keep uh, keep their comments uh, to till till we've done that, till you guys have felt you've, you've talked yourselves out. And maybe it's some of the key questions to ask was, why Apple? Why was Apple the company that kind of punched through and and created that critical mass? It's the right product, the right time, and the right people to make to, to make it so that it just spread beyond the hobbyist world. You know, why, why Apple? What were the ingredients to the to the soup? And was there any point in which you thought that Apple just was not going to happen? Maybe in the first two years where it was real touch and go, because you know those are kind of the cliffhanger moments. Um, and, and what saved you? What what kept you going? Was it people, technology, infusion of cash? You know, when Apple was just sort of this fragile entity, what 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 kept Apple in scope? And uh, kind of looking back, how do you think of the industry today and the innovation people can do today, are there garages left? Do people still do the garage things? It's still possible to do something in your garage, maybe in your Ajax browser is your garage, your Ajax code base. Uh, are we still, is the garage still the source of innovation that it was? You've been listening to Digibarn Radio. This story is available for some uses under our Creative Commons license. Please check our website at www.digibarn.com. That's www.digibarn.com for this license and more great stuff from the Digibarn collections. This is Tommy Cuellar signing off. Thanks for tuning in.